Well, let's get into the word this morning. Anybody brought their Bibles with them? Paper Bible. You got your Bible up in the air. Put it up in the air. Put it up, up in the air. Man, aren't you thankful for the word of God? It's alive. God said in his word to Jeremiah, he said, I'm watching over my word to perform it. So the great news in all of this is that you and I are not the performers. When it comes to walking with God, we don't perform. We don't have to try to make this work. It's already a done deal. It's already been proven. It's already sealed in the blood of Jesus. His job now is to make it work in your and my behalf. He simply needs our cooperation, our belief, and our confession saying, Lord, I believe this is so. So let's just, can we approach the word this morning with this, with honor and such respect? Because again, how we treat the word is how we treat the Lord. So I don't know about you, I'm so thankful for my word. Anybody, I just, I love my Bible. I love the word of God. So Father, we come before you this morning so thankful, so appreciative of your word that we have written down. Lord, we have your thoughts on paper right here in front of us. And Lord, as we go into it this morning, we thank you that you gave us the author and the teacher of your word to enlighten us, to inform us, and to show us how you think and why you think the way you do. So Lord, this morning, we just put ourselves up on this altar, our thoughts, our ideas, our ways, and we ask you, Holy Spirit, that you continue to transform us into the image of Jesus, and we give you the glory, we give you the praise, in Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church, you ready? Awesome. Now, I'm not just trying to get you hyped up. I'm, I'm thankful for the word. I'm thankful for the kingdom of God that we're a part of. And uh, Connie kind of already took some of my scriptures this morning. So we're going to jump into that. And we're going to go into this a little bit more. But again, I want you to turn in your word uh, to Luke chapter 15. I want to read again to us the story of the prodigal son. And uh, man, there's so much in this. This is, uh, it is such a beautiful not just a story, but a realization of who our father is and really identifying where we were and what he's done with us. And again, if you kind of reading, again, it starts in verse, I believe, uh, 14. But the, the, anyway, this, Jesus tells this story. There's a father with two sons. And the younger son came up to his father and says, I want my inheritance that's due to me. Right? Everything that I got an inheritance, so I bed me off. If you just died, I want what belongs to me, what's rightfully mine. So it is a very, to say those words and basically to come up to the father the way he did was extremely rude to another level. Right? So his father didn't say, you idiot, I'm going to start beating you up. No, he willingly gave his inheritance to both sons. So both of them got the inheritance. And it says a few short days later, the younger son packed up all of his stuff, went off to a far distant country. And what did he do with that inheritance? He played in the market with it. No, he wasted it. He blew it all on what kind of living? Did he sow into the kingdom of God? Reckless living, some translations say. He spent it all, got rid of it all, and all of a sudden there was a major famine in the land, and he was extremely hungry. So he forced himself onto another uh, a farmer who owned some pigs, and finally this guy said, finally, give us a job, go lay with the pigs, go be with the pigs, and you can feed them. He was so hungry to the point of even the pig food looked good. Now again, you've heard this story, but don't forget where this guy's come from. Don't just kind of overhear it again. It's good to really go back to this over and over again and see the goodness and kindness of God in action and what he did with the son. So now, all of a sudden, this younger son has a realization. <gasps> Man, it's my, this, my father's house. The servants in my father's house, they eat well. They have all more than enough. And here I am starving and I'm his son. 
What I'm going to do, I'm going to go back home and I'm going to say to my father's house and say to him, Father, I was wrong. I have sinned against you. Now, one good thing that you see in there is there's repentance. This is how we all have to come towards the father is a repentive heart. I'm, I'm off. I'm wrong. I need help. Okay. Secondly, he said, I'll never be worthy to be called your son. Please, father, just treat me like one of your employees. Now we see here humility. And rightfully so, I mean, the father could have just said, yeah, we'll, we'll treat you like one of the employees. The father didn't even have to take him back. According to the law, he didn't have to do anything. Verse 20, so the son went for, set off for home from a long distance away. His father saw him coming, dressed as a beggar and great compassion. Can we say that together? Compassion. Compassion swelled up in his heart for his son that was returning home. Because of this compassion, the father raced out to meet him. He swept him up in his arms, hugged him dearly, and kissed him over and over and over and over and over with tender love. What a moment. Could you imagine just again what this son would have felt like? Wow. Smell like is one thing. Yeah, yeah totally. We've talked about the smell, but could you imagine what he would have felt like? What do you think is his reaction would have been coming home, Cam? My dad, I got sweaty hands now. I'm sure just before he gets around the bed, okay, come on, come on, come on, come on. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Oh, I better not do it. I better not do it. Okay, let's go. And he gets around that corner and instead of seeing his dad, thought you'd be back. Run out of money? What'd you do with my money? He could have yelled all those things. But instead, we see this father, compassion swelled up in his heart. And he saw him from a great distance and took off for him. And when he met him, again, you have no idea. He could have WWF wrestled him, thrown him on the ground, started slapping him a little bit. Where's my money? He did none of that. He picked him up, hugged him, kissed him. And not one time do you hear, where's my inheritance? Where's that money I gave you? Didn't even bring any of that up. Y'all, this is huge. We have got to get an image of God. This is how he treats you and I. Not only just you and I, this is how he goes after the world. This confused, dark world, this is how he's after them aggressively. Verse 21, then the son said, Father, I was wrong. I have sinned against you. I could never deserve to be called your son. Oh, that's true. Just let me be, and I love this, the father interrupted and said, Son, what matters now? You're home. Come on, say it with me, I'm home. Come on, say it like you mean, I'm home. I'm home now. This is what this whole thing is about. So what did he do, son, you're home now? So you can see the excitement and the, 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 the premise behind everything he's about to say. Verse 22, turning to a service, he says, quick, come on, go, go, go. Go bring me the best robe, my robe, throw it on his shoulders, and I'm gonna, or bring me the ring, the seal of sonship, and I'm going to put it on his finger and bring out the best shoes that you can find for my son. Let's prepare the biggest barbecue you could imagine for this beloved son of mine who was dead, but now he's alive. Once he was lost, but now he is found. Anybody alive in the house today? You were dead, but God. You were lost, but God. You came to your senses and you went, oh man, I need a savior. I need a father. I, I don't want to be spiritually orphaned anymore. I need a God. 
And when you turned to him, what did you meet on that road? Love and grace, his arms completely wide open, took you right in and took off all that shame, guilt, stain, sin, all of that nastiness, never to be brought up again and says, the main important thing is, son, you're home now. That is the most important thing. And whether you've been home for 40 years or four minutes, it does not matter. This is the same father that we have. Literally, if you've been saved for 40 years on this earth, it's like, what, 32 seconds in heaven. So it's not been really long in the eyes of God, okay? <laughs> Down here, you may go, this is taking forever. Well, in heaven's time, a thousand years is a day. And a day is a thousand years. So you've been alive for maybe 42 seconds. So we got a whole lot of life to live ahead of us. Okay, so now again, son, you're home now. What does this sentence mean in the father's mind? And I want to just bring a thought to you today is that the father restored to his son his position and his stance of royalty. What did the father do? What does he have in mind? He again established his position or his stance of royalty back into the house and before him. What's established? My royalty, my stance. Come on, yo, this is who we are. We are royalty to God. That's what the Bible calls us, a peculiar people, a holy nation, right? A royal priesthood, right? If you think about the royals off in England, did they do anything to become royal? They were born into it. Well, you and I, you were born into royalty, by accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So what we're in the process of is not acting proper to become royal. We're in the process of learning to think royalty so that my thought process actually matches who I already am. That's what we're taking the time to do is to learn how to think properly so that what I'm thinking and how I'm behaving already matches up who I already am. See, religion tries to make you think you've got to act a certain way, be a certain way before you get accepted. That is not what we see here. We've been totally reestablished to our stance of royalty before our Heavenly Father. So now we're in the process of renewing the mind so we become just like who we already are on the inside. I'm well on my way to becoming the man that I already am. Don't ask me to say that again. Just rewatch it later on. Okay, okay. <laughs> say that again. Now... The Holy Spirit knows how to make winners out of losers. He excels in that. We once were lost, we once were dead, but now we've accepted Jesus and he rebirthed us by his spirit on the inside and he knows how to make a champion out of you. Remember we talked about Jesus, he reigns over a victorious church. Well, I'm not really feeling victorious. Again, we're learning how to become the royal people that we already are. So don't go, things just don't seem right. I just don't seem to be able to get it. Stop saying that. The one thing we talk to our kids all the time when they start, you know, talking to us, I just can never figure this out. I don't know how to do this. Whoa, 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 whoa. That's loser talk. Are you a loser? No. Then how do winners talk? And then we have to help a little bit. See, I can do this. I can see this. The Lord's going to help me see this. Okay. And you watch all that comes across, especially when it comes to, I'll give you an example. One of my sons, he lost the stuffy. Now, I love the ages that my kids are at because the biggest problems they have is a stuffy is lost. We got a plethora of them and Jamie is secretly destroying them or getting rid of them day by day. Things go missing. 
Papa, have you seen this, you know, stuffy that's this big and his name is tiny and his name is blah, 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 blah. And he's got a history and he's a kid of something and there's a whole story behind it. I, I haven't seen it. I have no idea. Your mother burned it. I have no idea. Go ask mom. Maybe my mama knows. I don't know where I was going with that story, but we'll just continue. <laughs> All right. <laughs> now for you and I, just like the son of Luke 15, if it comes back, I'll bring it there. Winter talk, winter talk. We're talking like winners. Yeah, that's where it was. He lost a stuffy. That's where it is. Sorry. I'm just thinking about the flames that my wife is creating of burnt stuffy. I'm just kidding. She hasn't burnt any. She's only given them away. So we are sowing stuffy. And I tell you, we are reaping a harvest of stuffies. Lord, we don't want harvest on this. Just this is for free. But anyway. He lost this stuffy, and I remember he came up to me just upset because it was one of his friends, dear ones, as close to him. And like just in a big panic, have you seen it? Have you seen it? Whoa, 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 whoa. Let's just take a deep breath, and let's ask the Holy Spirit who knows. But I just need to know where he is. I need to understand it. Whoa, whoa, hold on. You sound and you look like a loser right now. (laughs) What? I don't mean that in a bad way. That's what losers talk like. You, my son, are a child of the Most High God. You belong to Joel and Jamie Housing. You are not a loser. That's right. I'm going to find my stuff here and I'm going to have the best sleep with it. Okay. So let's talk. Let's ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, can you help us find this stuffy that was important for his bedtime? And he goes back and I said, the greatest place to have is a thankful heart, really is an open door. You open your heart up to the Lord and all of a sudden he's able to talk to you. It's not like the Lord's going, hmm, I'm not going to tell you where your stuff is. Not at all. Open your heart up to him and just start being thankful. And he went upstairs, I could hear him. And he just started going, Lord, thank you. And he just started listing off things in his room. Started listing it off. And about 20 minutes later, he came running up. I found him! And it was hidden somewhere underneath the bed and underneath something dark. The Holy Spirit helped me. I have it recorded on my phone. And he's telling me the whole story. The Holy Spirit told me to go look in this corner. And there it was. I said, there you go. That's, the God is so good at making losers turning him into winners. That's his job. So aren't you thankful for the Holy Spirit? He lives inside of you. <laughs> so your losing days are over with him. But now... Just like this younger son, when you accepted and called on Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, a spiritual rebirth has taken place, right? Now you've been reborn. You've been brought into this place of royalty. And now we see in Ephesians 2.19, it says this, So you are not foreigners or you are not guests. We have to get out of this mentality of a foreigner or a guest in the kingdom of God or a guest in the word of God or a guest who I, you know, I I go to a church. No, you is the church. We have to change the way we think because then we kind of leave all the supernatural stuff for the super spiritual people. It's for you. You've been reborn. And the Bible says, Jesus said himself, those that have been reborn now have access to the kingdom of God's realm. I have access to it. I can hear his voice. I can hear his leading. I'm directed by the spirit of God wherever I go. Well, how can you say that? Because I've been reborn. My life is not lived from outside in. It's now inside out. So I'm learning how to be the royalty that I already am. So what it may take is, while I'm not experiencing that, it may take some mind changes. This is the biggest problem that we see in the church is the mind is so strong. And it could be leaning towards the flesh and the natural. And I got to see it. I need proof on all this. It doesn't work that way. 
So we have to learn how to get into this house. When the father said, son, you're home now, he meant it not only, hey, welcome home, but it's now you've got to learn the culture of this home. You've got to learn how this home operates. So even when we were singing that, I'll praise you when I feel like it. I'll praise you when I don't. If you don't, you are in the house, guess what you do? What do you do? I don't feel like it. It doesn't matter. You're in the house. Come on, y'all. You're, you're home now. How does the home operate? You read Psalm 150. Praise the Lord with this. Praise the Lord with that. Praise him with the stick. Praise him with the key. Praise him, praise him, praise him, praise him, praise him. That's how the house operates. And what's great, we only have a short time to practice it here on earth where demons run away from us. Because when we get into eternity, it's going to be a breeze. You're going to feel like it every single moment of every single day for the rest of eternity. But while we're here, let's practice it when it's not as easy to really show, hey, our spirit's in charge here. Let the demons run away from us. I don't want them present around here. So what am I going to do? I'm going to start praising the Lord. Oh, I don't really feel like it. You know, things are going bad around me. Tough things are going around. I'm going to lift up my voice. I'm going to praise the Lord. Because what happens? It makes Jericho fall. Praise the Lord. All right. Let me finish this verse. So you are not foreigners. Say it. I'm not a foreigner. Stop thinking like one. I'm not a guest. I am not a guest. But rather, I am a child of the city of the holy ones. And what do I have? I have all the rights as a family member of the household of God. I have it all. Everything that heaven offers, I got it. Like what uh, Jamie was saying this morning over the offering. If he gave you Jesus, he would give you anything. So if he gave you the most prized possession, what's rent next month? Come on, y'all. Now, we need to wake up to the rights that are ours through Jesus. Wake up to what we already have and are in Jesus. This is what we're going to get into. So again, Colossians chapter 1. I just love seeing reading these verses because it stirs me up on the inside. But my heart's can soar with joyful gratitude when I think. Come on, say it with me. When I think. Anybody think about this this past week? Okay. This week you do it. When I think of how God has made me worthy. I didn't make me worthy. I didn't pray hard enough to get in. God made me worthy. To what? To receive the glorious inheritance freely given to us by living in the light. So I walk around. I got bad. I'll tell you, I have an inheritance. And it's glorious and it's not, listen, for an inheritance to actually come into effect, the one who has the will has to die for it to be enforced. Did Jesus die? Yes. With the inheritance given to you and I. Then what did he do? He rose again from the dead, watching over his inheritance to make sure it comes to pass in your and my life. Huge. Praise the Lord. Oh, my soul. He says he has rescued us completely from the tyrannical rule of darkness and he has translated us into the kingdom of his beloved son. Praise the Lord, oh my soul. One of you are going to get it eventually. Verse 14, for in the son all our sins are canceled. Cause it would be canceled. Call a little louder, church, canceled. Let the demons in Fairview know, canceled. 
It's canceled. And we have the release of redemption through his very blood. Praise the Lord, oh my soul. And I won't be quiet, my God. Okay, now. And again, as we said, we celebrate these realities, but it does not just stay there that we just go, son, you're home now. And just, you know, just hang around a little bit and, you know, play some Xbox or something. And if you could do a couple of dishes once in a while, that'd be great. That's not the purpose of now, son, you're home now. Thank God he came in. But that is now the launching pad to now become the heir that he was always supposed to be from before the foundation of the world. So son, daughter, you're home now. Welcome. And now we have to start operating and thinking like this house. Not like the church's house. I'm not talking about like the church. Got to start thinking like the church. No, no. We think like God. How he thinks is how I'm supposed to think. Right? So say it. I'm home now. Now what does that mean? I need to learn how to think like God. Because I mean, you've probably seen all those videos. I actually saw a video not too long ago where it's parents, it just, it's called parents that finally had enough. And it was, they go, they walk into the room and they got like these 18 to 25 year old sons or daughters, mostly sons, but they're stuck on these video games and the parents come in there with a sledgehammer and kaboom, blow up video game and computer and phones and everything like that and say, get off that couch, go find, do something, get a job and do it. Well, I don't want to be a son that, hey, son, you're home now. I go, oh, oh sweet, I tell you, it's been a ride out there and I'm just going to hang around here for a little bit. Uh, yeah, can you get me some more beef? That'd be great. And I'm not going to just sit here and take up space. I'm going to be a participator as an heir to establish this home wherever I go. So Lord, teach me how to establish this. <laughs> okay, so I'm glad we're all on the same page. Are we okay with that? Yes. Okay, some of you are like, what just happened? <laughs> Watch the service again and we'll, we'll go from there. But now the focus again. So now that you're home, now what? And you know, I think the Lord just helped me remind me again a little bit as we go forward is the first thing that we need to understand is the focus of the home. Son, you're home now. So of course the focus was salvation, but now that you're home, my life in this house is to be changed and transformed into the image of Jesus. What Connie had just said earlier about freedom session, that's the whole purpose behind it all. My life, can you say this with me? My life is to look like Jesus. That is the purpose. And it goes beyond, it's bigger than Okay, I'm home now. Now my father just makes all the bad things good. There's, there's truth to that. And yes, he is a good God and has the best in mind for you. But don't limit Christianity. Don't limit your life just going, well, I just don't want to have any bad things happening. Lord, can you just fix all the bad stuff in my life? And listen, we have a good God who's interested in turning all the darkness and turning it into light. Absolutely, don't get me wrong on that. But don't just think, I'm gonna go from crisis to crisis in Christianity, from depression to depression, from issue and issue, to going, okay, God, can you help me now? We, that's a sugar daddy. We just, can you do something for me, God? I got problems again. He wants to develop you so strongly on the inside that no matter what comes your way, you are so large on the inside that you rise above all that stuff. 
Rather than, oh, dad, can you just fix all this? Yes, of course he will. First Corinthians chapter 10 talks about with every uh, temptation and every issue, God also provides a way of escape. That's absolutely true. And that's always there. But it's so much bigger. If you, if you even look through the, the New Testament specifically, if you were to think, where would we be? What would your thinking be like if it wasn't for Paul's prison letters? Because if you read Paul's letters while he wrote what he wrote in prison, they're all about prayer. It's all about, oh God, I just hope he gets me out of here. He talks so much about prayer. He talks so much about understanding who he is, what his heart motive was. So you really get the heartbeat of what this man's all about. And we're going to take some time to look into this. But everything Paul did, he stayed true to the heavenly vision that he received. And you first find it in Acts chapter 9. And all throughout the book of Acts, I encourage you, go through the book of Acts, especially starting in chapter 9, for example, and you see the Apostle Paul constantly ministering, teaching churches, establishing churches, and he go back there to disciple, to lift them up. And I want to show you a couple of scriptures just to prove that to you. But in Acts chapter 22, verse 6, now, again, so Acts chapter 9, okay, say so Acts 9, is we know that was Saul's conversion. Right, He met the Lord. It was such a powerful encounter. The Lord slapped the P off or the S off his name and stuck a P on him. Right, You're no longer Saul of Tarsus. You are now Paul. And I'm sending you to the Gentiles to deliver this message. So you look at his life and I tell you, because of what he carried, the enemy was all over him. And you may be going, well, hey, I got some stuff going on in my life. It's because of what you carry. Sometimes people think, well, I, I know I'm spiritually developed and I'm spiritually making it when nothing bad is happening. False. Because you carry the testimony of Jesus. Because you carry this revelation of what God has done in your life and he's revealed who he is to you. Man, you start declaring and telling other people about it. Satan hates that. What's he doing? He's the one that tries to blind people. Keep the, keep the filters on constantly so they don't see this true loving God for who he really is. Come on, church, we're carrying something. What do you carry? I carry a message. I'm carrying little disciples after me. I'm carrying a lot. I'm pouring into my children regularly. We are carrying a lot. We're carrying a city. We carry this stuff on the inside of you. We're carrying a generation. I mean, I, when I read it, Luke chapter 15, I don't just, I mean, yes, I think of it for my personal life, but I also see this young man was also, a, uh, he's a great example for an entire generation. Waking up and finally going, what, what, what? Come on, I just think that's going to be the greatest word that's going to come out of this generation. And they go, what? What is, are you kidding me? And they start turning and run to father's house because they belong here. And they go, that's who he is. Yes. Now, Paul, back to Paul here. So Acts chapter 9 reveals that's his first encounter. And all throughout the book of Acts, you see him constantly bringing it up. When he talked to King Agrippa, when he went to the Roman government, and this is what he proclaimed, the heavenly vision, the heavenly calling that was his, he stuck true to it. And I want to show you it here, verse 6. He says, as I was on the road, and again, he's preaching to another governmental authority. I was on the road approaching Damascus about noon. A brilliant heavenly light suddenly appeared, flashing all around me. And as I fell to the ground, I heard a voice say, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I answered, here's one of the most important questions for your life. Who are you, Lord? He said to me, I am Jesus, the victorious. I am the one you are persecuting. 
Those who were with me saw the brilliant light, but they didn't hear the voice of the one who spoke to me. So I asked him, Lord, what do you want me to do? These two questions. If you can live on these, Lord, who are you? And what do you want me to do? This is huge for us. This is huge for your personal life. Lord, who are you? Because when you get a revelation of who he is, of course, he shows you who you are, but there's clarity of what he wants you to do. The Lord will never send you and I on a task, on an assignment without first knowing who he is. Why? Because if I don't have the culture of this house properly, he can't send me on errands or assignments to fulfill and to bring down heaven on this earth. Why? Because I'd be ignorant of what he wants to do. As it comes to me running back and forth. Okay, Father, what, what did you want to do here? And he goes, no, 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 stay here. No, I'll be right back. And off he goes running back to this place. I'm going to reach him. I'm going to do everything I possibly can. And the enemy loves that because now we just have a tired, burnt out Christian who thought, well, I was just supposed to preach the gospel. This is what we're supposed to do. Yes, but first you got to know who our father is. Come learn the culture. Come and learn of me. You see that in Mark chapter 3. When Jesus called the disciples that he wanted, what was his command to them? Come and be with me so that I can send you out. Thank you for your excitement this morning. All right. But what you see here again, the first two most important questions is, who are you, Lord? And what do you want me to do? And then in Acts, if you go back, Acts chapter 14, Paul it says after he would preach the gospel, the wonderful news, there they were winning large number of followers to Jesus. Now notice what they did. So yes, they would go from town to town, city to city, village to village, country to country, and they would proclaim the gospel of Jesus, right? And it says in this case, a large number of followers received Jesus. But then what did they do after? They retracted their steps and they revisited Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch. And what did they do back to the churches that they had started and planted? What did they do back with the people that they were, you know, they first introduced Christ to? Verse 22. And it says that each place they went, they strengthened the lives of the believers and encouraged them to do what? To go deeper. Did you know sometimes your answer is not just to, oh, I'll go somewhere else, I'll find something else. It's actually to deepen. I found that even in my own personal life. I've learned and I'm continuing to do, Lord, I am deepening my yes to you constantly. Rather than just kind of going, well, I guess this is kind of it in Christianity. I guess this is, you know, I'm not really seeing a whole lot of my prayers answered. I'm not getting a whole lot of this word. That attitude, can I just tell you right now, is a loser attitude. I just don't really get a whole lot of the Bible. And you never will. How can you say that? If God wants to, yeah, of course, if, if God wants to. He, he rewards those who diligently seek, not who, you know, once in a while glance at. He's looking for, hey, I, are you in on this? I mean, the word of God is locked to a lot of people. Why? Because this, you don't throw precious pearls before swine. Not the calling people swine. It's just saying, hey, this is the reality. I don't throw a pearl in front of a pig. What's the difference? Because he doesn't know the difference between that precious pearl and some slop on the ground. He'll treat it the exact same way. 
Well, the, when you read this, I was reading Psalm 119 this morning. You see the heart of the psalmist and he talks about, Lord, your word. I'm putting it in my heart that I don't sin against you. Your word, Lord, I, I'm committed to the very end of my days. Open up your word to me and I will live it to the best of my ability. This is the type of individual that the word becomes not a book that I go to sleep to, but something that I look and I can't wait to get to. Oh Lord, I want to be with you. And those are the ones that get more and more and more. It's a spiritual reality. You can't change that. <laughs> right? So notice what he said, to go deeper in their faith. And then I love this. And they taught them, it is necessary for us to enter into the realm of God's kingdom. Now, what does that mean? Remember John chapter three and verse six, I believe it was Jesus talking to Nicodemus. And he's like, spiritual rebirth. How can I, is it man, old man go back into his mother's womb to be reborn? Jesus says, no, 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 no. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is the spirit is spirit. He was simply saying, but when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, when you've gotten a spiritual rebirth, you have now divine access into the realm of God's kingdom. So I'm telling you, in these last days, it is crucial. It is imperative that you and I Enter into the realm of God's kingdom. What does that mean? I have got to change the way that I think because that's the only way that you and I will endure many trials and persecutions that are yet to come. I believe this is my warning to give as a pastor is heads up. It's not like the world is gonna start loving the church all of a sudden. They won't. But what do we need to do? We have to make sure that when we're in your home now, that we understand the culture, we understand how he thinks, we understand what he says, we understand how he operates, so that when it comes, we're ready for it. And not just in the sense of, oh, we're gonna fight back, that, that can come, but it's more importantly is, we're after the souls of men. What did Jesus tell his disciples? No longer you gonna be fishing for these fish. I'm gonna make you fishers of men. So I'm telling you this, when you enter into this realm of God's kingdom, learning his ways, understanding how he does things, going through this, this 20 week discipleship course, why so free people can help free people. That's what all this is about. But this is what the apostle Paul came to say. And he went church after church, let's go deeper. Oh, but did you hear what's all, did you hear what Nero, he wants to throw Christians in front of lions. Let's go deeper. What's the answer? Oh God, can you, God, don't you see what they're doing? You don't hear the New Testament church talk about any of that junk. And say, so what did they do? Let's go deeper. So they say, no, you can't worship God. I'm gonna worship him even harder. Oh, you can't read that Bible. That Bible, I tell you, is so outdated. I'm gonna read it even harder. Why? Because this is where I'm rooted. This is where I'm grounded. I'm going so deep. I'm so committed to this thing. Come hell or high water, I'm not moving. Whew. Now, so what we're doing is we're aligning our focus to match the fathers because as a child of God, my life, again, what is the purpose? Son, you're home now. Okay, you're here. The father, would, he would come and he would say, now that you're here, the whole focus is that you look like my son, Jesus. That's what I've destined for you from before the foundation of the earth. Aren't you thankful for that? Aren't you saying that he didn't just say, say some other person, I want you to be just like so-and-so or just like, you know, that preacher or that, you know, that disciple or, you know, that singer. You are called to look like Jesus. <laughs> Yo, this is the highest calling. 
You get to look like him. And Jesus said over and over, he says, hey, the, the teacher, when he teaches his students, he'll never go beyond his teacher, but he'll be just like him. I don't know about you, that gets me excited. That's what our calling is. So let's look here in the good news before we go on. Uh, Philippians 1.6. Don't just start thinking, okay, I have to do this. No, I'm fully convinced that the one who began this glorious work in you, what's he going to do? He is going to faithfully continue the process of maturing you. What's the whole process of maturing you? What is, what is he maturing me into? To look like Jesus. Remember Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So we don't have to look any further than Jesus to get an idea of what the Father is like. Well, it ought to be, and I think that's our drive as a church here too, is that, hey, you don't need to look any further. Look at this church family right here. If you've seen us, you've got a glimpse of what the home is like. Anybody ever walk into a, a home and you can just go, man, there's something about this. And I'm not talking about you walk into a home that, you know, a realtor showing and they have put those, you know, chocolate chip cookies in there to all of a sudden make it feel like, ooh, homey, or pump, some pumpkin spice spray. I'll, I'll, I'll pay you cash right now. Whatever the offer is, double it. I will give whatever it is to buy this house. What is to entice into, well, hey, I've been in atmospheres too, in services, in meetings, in rooms, and you go, this feels just like Jesus walked in this room. I believe that's part of our call is to create an atmosphere. Again, not you and I have to, to work it up, but because we are being so transformed by the spirit of God on the inside of us to look like Jesus, there is just this genuine love for one another. Do you know where I got a good taste of it? At our carnival a couple weeks ago. I walked around and I went, there was so much laughter, so much joy from little ones. I'm going, that's what heaven looks like. <laughs> Laughing and balls being thrown at these to drop people in buckets. I believe Jesus would be the first one in that dunk tank. Come on, let's see what you got. I, I believe that with all my heart. So church family, it's not, yes, it's for the betterment of your own life, but just think what it'll do to your own intimate family, what it would do for your extended family, but also what it would do for this church family. When all of a sudden you got this aroma, it's like, this smells like Jesus in here. The love of God is just, wow. That is the place where God releases himself, is in those places. So I don't know about you, but I think there's something we ought to strive for. We are in the house, might as well enjoy the benefits of the house. And what is part of it is, I get to look like him, and looking like him means I actually get to experience what heaven's all about. So the good news is, it's not you and I just going, gotta be like Jesus, gotta be like Jesus, gotta be like Jesus. Somebody cuts you off, flips you the bird or whatever, and you go... Don't do it. Don't do it. <clears throat> of course, don't get me wrong. There's some self-discipline on your side, but the Holy Spirit inside of you <laughs> is going to help you and say, hey, remember you used to flip them right back. But now, hey, you got me living on the inside of you. Let me remind you who you already are. I'm royalty. So instead he flips you the bird, you go. <laughs> So instead, anybody flips you off, you know, that what's, what's, our, what's the Christian way of responding? And they're just even more. In, 
That's heaven's signal of flipping the bird. <laughs> All right, so let's, hey, get back to church here, people. Come on now. All right, Romans chapter eight. Let's look at this. This is a verse that Connie read. But again, I want you to see the apostle Paul's teaching now towards this. He says, for he, talking about God, the father, the one that says, son, you're home now. So when you got home, listen, this is what he already knew. He knew all about you before you were born. And he destined us. He destined you from the beginning. What's the beginning he's talking about? Not talking about Genesis 1-1-1. He's talking about when creation was a thought in his mind. From before even creation came into existence, God had this thought in his mind. And what was it? That you and I are to share the likeness of his son. That's our call. And it says, this means that the son is the oldest among a vast family of brothers and sisters who will become just like him. Verse 30. So having determined our destiny when? Ahead of time. Oh, I just got to figure out what I'm called to do. I'm telling you, this is your call. This is, this is the highest call that there is. Well, I'm called to make billions and millions. That's great. That's wonderful. But you won't do it apart from this. This is first. This has to be the first thing on your mind. Come on, y'all. Slap it. First. This is first. He destined me ahead of time. He called me where? To himself. He called me to Red Deer. Oh, he called me to the nations. No, 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 no. Not till he first, you would answer the call of being called to himself. Again, why? Son, you're home now. Now you need to learn or relearn again who you already are in my eyes. You need to see it. You need to know it. And you need to walk on it so that other people can be drawn and you can actually do what I want you to do on this earth. Yes, sir. He tra- and then from there, so he called us to himself and transferred his perfect righteousness. What does that mean? I cannot grow in righteousness. I have full, 100% right standing with God now. The father looks at me and he says, 100% not guilty. 100% guilt-free, pure, holy, right before me. Is that thought in your mind? Because if it's not, it'll be stopped. I just tried a measuring up. That's the wrong that's wrong. It's already lodged inside you. It's now realizing what Christ has put on the inside of you. You already are royalty. Can everybody show me their royal way, please? You already can do it. How much training do you have? Sure, I mean, we can grow in it. We can make it real. And put a little leg to it. But you already knew how to do it. Why? Because you already are. That's not the queen's thing or the king now. It's our thing. (laughs) Make this a shirt. I'm taking my wave back. Church, Jesus Christ. There. Transferred his perfect righteousness to everyone he called. And those who possess his perfect righteousness, he also co-glorified with his son. What does that mean? Is he seated with you in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He made you a joint heir of his. So what are we learning? Learning what royalty needs to be learning. I need to learn what I already got. I was born into it. <laughs> All right. Now look at this, Galatians 4.19 again, just showing a couple of things what Paul had preached and what he said. 
to the Galatian church. He said, you are my dear children, but I'm agonizing in spiritual labor pains once again until the anointed one will be fully formed in your heart. Because what happened to the churches in Galatia? They had gotten off, off of justification or a right standing with God by faith and they moved back into effort. They moved back into law. They moved back into, I have to perform something. Uh, yes, God did the rebirth in me. He started the work in me, but now I need to do something in order for it to get perfected. For me to look like Christ, I gotta start working. I gotta read my Bible. I gotta read it. And, I'm, and instead of it now being an enjoyable relational thing, it now becomes something, a duty that I do in order to make sure my box is checked for the night and I can sleep well the next day. Crazy. That is not how this works. He started it. He's going to finish it. And now what do I go? God didn't call me into a religion with Jesus. That's not what he called me into. He called me into a relationship with him. So I need to learn how to have a relationship. Son, you're home now. Hey, Jesus, can we hang for a little bit? I need to learn a few things. What do you think about family? What do you think about being a husband? Tell me. And let the process begin. Okay, well, this is what was shown me, or this is what was taught me. What do you say about all this stuff? He goes, <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's definitely not my way of doing things. Son, now come, let me show you in my word what I think about it. You're supposed to love your, well, love your wife the way that I love the church. I actually died for you. Huh. I'm having a hard time muting it when she's talking to me when the football game's on. Yeah, but I just saw, hey, my dad said, hey, shut up, wait till the commercial goes on and then you can talk to me. Lord, can you help me? He'll help you. And he'll give you the grace to do it. <laughs> I'm so glad you're excited about that. <laughs> and then in verse, I don't have that on the screen, but uh, Paul continued to say, he said, how I wish I could be there in person and change my tone towards you for I am truly dumbfounded over what you are doing. Paul's tone shows that his desire was to see believers get back on track. Get back on track. Get aligned again. Your life is bigger than, God, I got a problem. Come fix it. That, that's, that's great. But you know what? That is such, that's what my little kids do to me. Oh, Papa chain fell off. Shoelace came untied. Can't fix it, please. It's so low level operation. And it's so level communicating relationship wise. The father's not just here, okay, 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 okay. He wants to grow you and I to look like Jesus that when a storm comes, when God told him to go to the other side and all of a sudden a storm comes because you're obeying the will of God and all of a sudden Jesus stands up there and says, peace, be still. And it, the father goes, now you're acting like me. When I see my kids, when they do things without being asked, <laughs> I won't say it. <laughs> but they can get dressed, they can brush their teeth and they do without being asked. I go, oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Why? Because they're starting to act like how this family is supposed to act. And our father is no different. Ephesians 5.1, I believe it says that, uh, be imitators of God, like dear children who imitate their father. And what does he tell us to copy him in? In love, which is another message. But now let me get into this. This is the last part here. I got a few minutes. But in order for the life of Christ to be formed inside of us, it is absolutely crucial that I believe right. 
I need to believe right. What you believe matters. <laughs> it's a huge deal what you believe. Come on, say it. It's a huge deal. I don't think you understand. It is a massive deal what you believe. And we got so many different media outlets that are trying to change or convince you to believe a certain way. The devil is going hard at it 24-7 to cause the church, to cause believers, to cause this earth to believe a certain way. I mean, if you go out even into the world and you ask people questions, you ask people about trans, you ask people about abortion, you ask people about same-sex, you ask them and they'll tell you what they believe. They speak what they believe. And you got to trace that going, where did that come from? They'll follow it and it won't line up with this. So if it doesn't go with this, I got to go, hmm. If it doesn't line up with that, well, okay, can I just show you in love what truth has to say about that? Let me bring you back to the source of all tr knowledge and truth that there is. But same for the church. Now, if we were to go to the church and you ask somebody, oh, what do you, you know, on health or on marriage or on finances or on you, whatever the topic may be. And you, they all of a sudden, they'll say it to you. And you go, oh, huh, where did you get that? Uh, well, I was on TikTok. Oh, so TikTok is now replacing thinking? <laughs> no, <laughs> I saw it twice on TikTok. Oh, oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. But if you keep following that out, why do you believe what you believe? Why do you believe that you have to struggle so hard to put food on the table? Why do you believe that? Well, you know, if you don't work, you don't eat. Yeah, true. But who's the provider of your home? Well, I am. I'm a man. Okay. I don't find a scripture for that. I find Jesus is supposed to be my Lord. He's supposed to be my provider. I see that he'll provide for all my needs according to his riches and glory. I think all it is is that it's a transformation of the soul, renewing our mindsets going, what does lordship actually mean over my heart and mind? and allowing that process to begin. Because we got Christians, I tell you, there are amazing, amazing believers, wonderful people, hardcore, and I, when I mean hardcore is they serve, they'll get involved, they, whatever, but they got some thinking that is totally out of line with what this is. And that's where, again, the whole purpose of what the house and the motivation of the house is, to look like him. See, as long as I even just focus and zero in on this, well, this one thing, money and money and money. I need more, I need more. And you just keep focusing on that. God is not just wanting to say, well, I'll meet all your needs, I'll meet all your needs. He wants to transform the way you think so you start thinking like Jesus where all of a sudden there was 5,000 people and Jesus didn't go, I got a lot of mouths to feed today. He goes, hey, to test Simon, he goes, hey, um, Philip, where are we going to get the food? What? I don't know. How, there's so many people. We, even if we worked for a year, we couldn't feed all these people. He was stretching them to see where they're at. You may get stressed. The Lord is perfect at asking questions. And what's the purpose behind all those things? Is to see where you are. Not to condemn you. You're bad. You think horrible. No, it's to see where you are. Locate you in this wave. You're home now. So are you thinking like the home? Ah, not quite yet. No condemnation in Christ Jesus. There's none in the house. There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Come on, say it with me. No. 
None. So if you don't understand something, Holy Spirit's not going to go, you idiot. Here. He's going to gently show you. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. It's easy. It's light. I am willing to relate to you and help you grow at your own pace. That's helpful for slow learners. Can I get an amen in here? I'm I'm so thankful for that. He's willing to relate with us at our own pace. But here's the thing. You're home now. Give him access. Say, Lord, here I am. Here I am. This is what I'm thinking on this. And now let, allow the Lord, through his word, to start transforming that thought. Going, oh, that's, that's, not, that's not how this house operates. That may be where you came from, but that's not how I do things. Okay, Lord. I lay it down, and I pick yours up. Last verse I have on the screen. <clears throat> As I said, in order for the life of Christ to be formed inside of us, it is absolutely crucial that I believe right. Because right believing is a light that illuminates the path to freedom out of prison. Right believing causes right living. Wrong believing, on the other hand, puts you in a prison without shackles. It tells its inmates to behave like they're in a maximum security prison. Wrong believing. Oh, I can't can't do that. Who said? Who told you you were naked? That's a question God to ask Adam and Eve. I hid myself because I was naked. Who told you that? Well, I, you know, it's a hereditary. It just passes on from generation to generation. Who told you that? Well, my dad was angry, so my grandfather was angry, my great-great-grandfather, and great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great. They're all angry. So I have to be. Who told you that? Huh. And all of a sudden you get one of those, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm in the house now. Oh, son, you're home now. And all of a sudden, you start realizing what God has placed on the inside of you. Oh, Lord, thank you. And that mindset starts to shift. (laughs) Okay. Now, lastly, I have this verse. Just give me a sec. It says, look at this contrast between one person's focus. So if, again, you're in the house, and one person's focus is, I have to live right without paying attention to believing right. So you got a guy that's in this house and his will focus on, I got to live a certain way. I got to act a certain way. I got, I got to, got to, okay, you got to four, how do, how do you do this? Okay. And they're just, I got to live right. So they're trying to get all the actions versus another individual. And this person's focus is simply to hear what God has to say and simply, I believe that. There's not this straining in this effort. Psalm 119, and I'll finish it here. By your words, I can see where I'm going. By your words, I can, I can see. I can see where I'm going. They throw a beam of light on my dark path. The message Bible keeps going, but I'm going to stop right there. This is what the word is intended to do. This word helps you and I see. It shines a beam on where I'm going. So last slide up there, guys, that says, so you're home now. Now what? Pay attention to what you believe. All throughout your week. Watch a word comes out of your mouth going, why did I just say that? I, hold on, do I actually believe that? And retrace that and go, okay, huh, I don't find that in scripture. Lord, help me, that, that's not a thought that you have. You don't have that thought. So I don't want to either. And allow this transformation to take place. It's okay? This is part one of 84. <laughs> so we'll get there, we're growing in it. But I don't know about you, but again, I want to remind us, aren't you so thankful that we have the Spirit of God on the inside of us? We need to become spirit conscious. 
He's here. He's not somewhere there. He's right here. He's closer to you than your own nose is. He's right inside. Help me, Holy Spirit. I need to see this. And his job is to reveal, guess who? His job is to reveal Jesus. Praise the Lord. Oh my soul. That's what his job is. So you are in good, capable, strong, protective, gentle, firm hands. Man, what a place to be. It's a whole mismatch of things. It feels like you're putting your feet through that old 60s carpet. What is that? That shea carpet. Yet all of a sudden it's hardwood floor. It's like, man, it is so secure, but oh, so cozy at the same time. That's who lives on the inside of you. He is a teacher and he's going to show you because he knows exactly how you operate. (laughs) I'm so thankful for that. I had teachers that had problems with me. He's too distracted. He just talks a lot. He just runs around the class. Yeah. And they couldn't get me. I couldn't get them. Their fault. I'm just kidding. It's, It's on me. It's on me. But you got the Holy Spirit on side of you to help you. Amen. Amen.